Welcome to the Pastor Resources Podcast. Today, Pastor Resources President Dave White continues his conversation with Pastor Bob Franquiz of Calvary Fellowship in part two of their discussion about dealing with struggles COVID has caused churches. So churches have been reopening here for a while. I'd say we have a little more freedom than we've had in a while. How have you been um, addressing that in your church? And then try to be as transparent as you can about any mistakes you've made, because that's where pastors are going to benefit the most. And then, of course, uh, definitely what you've done right um, that would be a win for them. Yeah. um, One of the things, one of the decisions that we made early on when I was talking to our team was I just said, I don't have a problem with us going slow. I just don't want to take any steps backwards. So um, in some ways we were kind of a little late in, um, even though we're still one of the only churches in our area that, that have reopened. Um, there's probably only, I would say less than five churches uh, in our County that I know of that have, that have reopened. But you know, we, we've had, our approach has been basically three phases. Um, so if phase zero is online only, phase one was inviting people to come to a live recording of the Sunday service. And then from there, we kind of gauged what our congregation's comfort level was and, and how people felt. And then a few weeks ago, we moved to phase two, which was a partial, we call the partial reopening, which is Sunday service, but no children's ministry. And, uh, and then on the 18th, uh, we will, it's the 18th, the third Sunday in, maybe it's the 20th, um, the 20th. Uh, so yeah, late in late September, we will go to a, full opening, reopening with children's ministry. But I think this is one of the, so that's kind of, that's our plan. But I think one of the things that we've got to do is make it available, but not guilt people. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you my, uh, not that I want to guilt people, but I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an exhorter, I'm an equipper, I'm an encourager, and I want to definitely influence people to come back. And there are just people uh, for a whole bunch of reasons who are deathly afraid of coming back to church. And I don't want to lose um, my credibility with them in the future and the voice that I'll have with them in the future by trying to leverage that to get them to come back now when they, when they aren't quite ready. And so I think that that would probably be the kind of the biggest thing is, you know, don't, and it's so easy. And I see the guys that, that have, and I see it on social media where it's like, um, and you know, once again, the challenge too on social media is that everything comes off as more aggressive. And so, um, and we talk about church is essential and I, I, and, and I can, I can talk about that in a little bit, but um, I think that is such an important thing, but um, you know, some people, and I talk to people that they, they're kind of out doing everything else. But they're like, oh, but I'm not ready to come back to church. And, I, and personally, I feel like that's a bit of an excuse. But once again, I think to, to call them on it and press them on it, it is in the long run not going to increase the influence. Um, it's just going to shame them and then cause them to kind of disappear. That's a good piece of advice. I, you know, being someone that was just sort of felt like this was being used to sort of take a lot of our freedom away, I was sort of gung-ho 
in the beginning. And then I had a friend, um, there's a certain blood type that really makes this thing, uh, it makes you more susceptible. And then it also, it's a real tail kicker. And um, he was out for a month and he can't even remember the first week of it. And wow. so it's, it's, it's definitely something some people don't want to get. Um, so mm. we don't want to create fear, but at the same time, I think that's so smart to go, look, it's not for everybody right now. Don't create pressure. Um, but for the rest of those that want to go, let's not make them feel guilty either. So, yeah, uh, that's good. So, um, this will be our last one. This is more about what we're seeing with the, you know, it started as protests, moves to riot and looting. Um, it's just a whole lot of divisiveness in our country. Um, are you seeing in your church that same, any of that divisiveness or is there a lot of unity? Um, what are you seeing if you have any stories? Um, yeah, you know, th there was some, um, I, I, I believe that the Barna number was right, that there's 30% of people who have gone. And I don't know that our number has been that high, but we definitely had people who have gone. Um, when the uh, George Floyd issue, you know, the George Floyd um, killing happened, um, there was a lot of people in our church um, or I shouldn't say a lot, but there were many vocal people in our church who were so upset that I uh, wasn't talking about um, social justice issues. And, you know, some were upset that I wouldn't endorse the Black Lives Matter movement, and uh, which I still won't. And uh, I certainly believe in the phrase. I believe in the sentiment, of course, but I'm, I'm not going to endorse a movement that is anti-family, that's anti-Christian, that's pro-Marxist, which is a movement that literally in the 20th century killed about 80 million people. I can't, I can't in good conscience back that. Um, and the, the problem is, is that um, there's some people who they don't associate the phrase with the movement behind it. And I think now, a couple of months later, we've been able to separate that a little bit. But when emotions were running high early on, it was very difficult to have a nuanced conversation with people who are otherwise lovely and reasonable people. They were just so deeply hurt by what had happened. And, and, and once again, and rightly so, but their, their response to that was, we have to support this movement. And I just, as, as a pastor, as, as a Christian, I just couldn't, I, I, I couldn't support the movement. And so, um, so that, that once again became an issue. But, I, I, you know, in the, in, the, in the positive sense, one of the things that we did do, and this we have just found to have incredible momentum and incredible un, uh, unifying power in the church, was us talking about the idea that church is essential. And so we actually took out a billboard right, on, uh, right off I-75, right down the street from our church. And it just says three words, church is open, and it has our website. And we've already seen some folks start attending based on the billboard. But once again, the billboard for me wasn't just about, you know, getting people to come to church. It was about making the statement that church is essential because when, and Dave, you know this, when drug use is up and alcohol sales are up and prescription medication uh, uh, prescriptions are up and the divorce rate, that, that stat came out this past week, that the divorce rate is up uh, by, uh, I think it's 24%, it's up, domestic abuse is up. This is what happens when church isn't in, in people's regular lives, that church makes such a difference in 
the community. Mm. And so, you know, online is a good evangelistic strategy to open people up, to kind of let them stick their toe in the water as to what your, your church is like, but it's not a long-term strategy um, for discipleship. And it's certainly not a replacement for physically meeting. And so having that rallying cry, we've actually, right now, I just approved that we're getting t-shirts printed that say, just say three words, church is essential. And um, our church is just on board with that idea. And that has been a real unifying point, um, especially in our culture, when we're defining what is essential or non-essential, uh, saying that church is essential has been a huge thing for us as a church. Mm. Well, Bob, thank you so much for your time today. And I wanted to give you a chance just to uh, tell us about some of your books. I know you've written a lot, um, maybe some of your favorites from that list as well. Yeah, well, my, uh, my, my latest is, uh, is a book called The Church Growth Paradigm. And essentially what I did was not only when we made the fastest growing list, uh, the fastest grow, uh, growing church list, uh, the outreach list, um, two years in a row, that I started looking at our church, but I've worked with hundreds of churches and I've studied fast growing churches for the better part of uh, more than a decade. And what I found was that there's seven things uh, that no matter what type of church, you know, whether you're a denominational church or non-denominational church or high church or low church, whether uh, whatever style of church you are, there's a few things that growing churches have in common. And so what I just looked at was, and, and I call it the church growth paradigm, and uh, we focus on these, the, we talk about these seven, these seven factors that cause churches to grow. And so um, you can pick that up. At our, at our website. Uh, we don't sell it anywhere else except on our website at AmplifyChurchGroup.com. Uh, and then the other book, that, so that's my latest, my, my um, most popular book, and this is a book that's done really well, is a book called Begin, uh, First Steps of the Journey of Faith. And that is a book that's written uh, for new believers. And um, I, I am so amazed by the response to this book. And it's a book that we give out and so many churches give out uh, this book to their new believers. And I, I have people who reach out to me all the time and uh, like they say, hey, I just came to know Jesus at my church, you know, in Ohio. And um, they gave me a copy of your book and I just want to say thank you. And um, anyway, it's just super gratifying to see people encouraged and established in their faith by um, this little book. I mean, this book is like a hundred pages and um, it's just, it's grown um, it's grown legs and gone all around the world and it's exciting. Um, so anyway, and a lot of pastors just buy them by, buy it by the case. And, um, and we do that too, uh, on our website. And, um, you know, we just, we discount it as much as we can because we just want to put the book in the hands of new believers so that they can uh, be established in the faith and encouraged and, and have a book that's simple because that was the thing. I had no intention of writing a book for new believers. I wanted to find one that I could just buy a bunch of copies of. And there was nothing that was simple. And so that's, I, I think what this book did is that it kind of bridged the gap between how do you help new believers understand kind of theological concepts, but keep it in simple language because they don't understand Christianese quite yet. And so that's, I think, hopefully what, what, the, book, what the book does. And so anyway, those are probably my two favorites. Yeah, you sound great. Well, especially that one on church growth. That sounds like possibly another podcast. You could tease them with at least a couple of the points. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. So uh, this was Dave White, Pastor Resources, and Senior Pastor Bob Franklis of Calvary Fellowship. Um, you can check out his website at mycalvary.org.
Is it .com? MyCalvary.com, yeah. Excellent. All right. Thanks again, Bob. Thank you. See ya. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Stay tuned for more relevant interviews to keep you encouraged in ministry.